Good morning. Thank you for the warm welcome. So I hope you guys are enjoying service um, so far today. Um, I know that we had a, a chance to fast last week. Um, you know, Amali mentioned it, him and his group. Um, just pray that everyone was able to, you know, fast and um, connect with God on a deeper level, um, go a little deeper with God. Um, so last week, James spoke about fasting in the Old Testament. Um, and he did a great job. I mean, I actually had no idea um, that there were so many scriptures on fasting. Um, I actually knew, like, two scriptures on fasting um, before last week, um, to, my, to my shame. Um, but, you know, James was preaching last week, and, I mean, I was into that message. I was taking notes, and I was like, man, this is some good stuff. And, I mean, I was really into it. I was learning a lot. And then it dawned on me that I was preaching this week. So, I mean, he shared like 50 scriptures. So I turned to Niger and I was like, I can't do this. This is like a master class on fasting. And of course she laughed at me, right? Because that's, that's what my wife does. She laughed at me. So at that point, I started getting a little sick. Cold was coming on, throat started getting a little scratchy, you know. I started getting a little dizzy. Um, Unfortunately, I was going to have to bail on y'all. I'm like, I can't come after this right here. I was going to bail. But James kept saying, and McCall is preaching next week, right? And McCall is preaching next week. I mean, it felt like he said it like 10 times. And McCall is preaching next week. So, you know, after a while, he kept saying it. I'm like, all right, I can't bail now. Um, Everybody knows I'm supposed to be preaching next week. So I'm not going to be able to bail now. Um, But nah, I wasn't going to bail on you guys. I would never bail on you guys. Um, but I did look at Nigel like, yo, I don't know about this one. Like, this, this one right here, this is, this is going to be tough. But, you know, James, he didn't leave me hanging. You know, he helped me out, sent me some stuff. Um, Clive Whiteley helped me out. Victor Polanco helped me out. Another brother helped me out. And let me just say, I appreciate all of you guys here, man. I, I really do. You guys have been, like, just so encouraging and helpful and positive and pleasant, um, just so encouraging. I mean, we, we was all, you know, at the training last week, and the sister came up to me, and we was kind of talking about me preaching. We had a good laugh, and I just feel so supported here, um, and I'm just really grateful um, for all of you guys. I mean, I can, like, literally sit here and do an entire sermon um, on just how wonderful you are and how evident the Holy Spirit is in this room, but that's not the topic for today. Um, so let's get into why we're actually here, okay? So just a, a quick recap from James' message last week, um, fasting on the Old Testament. Fasting in the Old Testament. So a few things that we learned last week. Um, only one fast was um, commanded in the Old Testament, and that was the fast on the Day of Atonement. So that's the only fast that was commanded. Um, but people often fasted when they wanted God to hear their prayers. Um, so people fasted in times of war, um, when loved ones were sick. Uh, we see David fasted uh, when loved ones were sick. Um, when seeking God's forgiveness, they fasted in the Old Testament, seeking God's forgiveness. Um, when faced with danger, they would fast when faced with danger. And when seeking God's will, they fasted seeking God's will. So that's a few things we learned. Um, we also learned that this fasting was done to humble themselves, 
by afflicting their souls, humbling their souls, and denying themselves. So that's why they fasted. To afflict their souls, to humble their souls, and to deny, to deny themselves. So they believed that um, in such humiliation, putting themselves through this, uh, it would please God. It would be pleasing in God's sight. And often it was. Um, however, we also learned that fasting was fruitless when done just ceremonially, right? And we know that about God. Um, God doesn't want anything done ceremonially. God is like, keep your money, keep your time. I don't want anything from you. If your heart's not in it, you can have it. Don't bring it to me. Um, so, we, you know, we learned that about fasting as well last week. And we also learned that it needs to be done with true repentance. Um, so, one last thing I mentioned that we learned last week was that um, there was no set length or principles to fasting, right? Um, so, there was no set time. You could fast for as long as you want, short as you want. We have examples of fasting 40 days, a couple days, one day. So, there was no set principles. So, today we're going to look at fasting in the New Testament. So look at fasting in the New Testament. So, let's turn over to Acts 13. We're going to start in verse 1. Now the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simon called Niger, Lucius from Cyrene, and Manium, who had been brought up with Herod the Tretch and Saul. While they were, wor- while, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they set them off. So right here we see that Antioch was a church. So we know that Antioch, it was a church um, of Jewish and Gentile Christians. So the first thing we can learn from this passage is fasting wasn't just an Old Testament practice. And it wasn't just a Jewish practice. But it was also... A disciple practice. Disciples actually practice it as well. Um, so let's look at verse two again. So it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, "Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them." So we see here that fasting, like prayer and singing, can be considered an act of worship to our amazing God. That's huge. I mean, that, shows, that really shows us how important fasting is. And I tell you, b- before I actually did the study, I didn't really look at fasting as being that serious. Like, I didn't look at it on the same level as, you know, worshiping God. I didn't look at it on the same level as prayer and the singing songs to God when we're worshiping God. So fasting is really a big deal, um, and it's really serious. And we need to take it that way. So also in verse 2, we see that through their worship and their fasting, they received direction from the Holy Spirit to send out Barnabas and Saul on a missionary journey. So maybe you have been wanting to do more for God, right? Maybe you said, you know, I have this extra time, or you know what, I need to make time for God, and I want to do more for God. I want to do more for his kingdom. I want to do more to glorify God. Try fasting and asking God to make that clear. Maybe you want to do more, but you don't know exactly what it is that you want to do or that you need to do. We see the disciples here, they fasted, and God made that clear to them. So that's something that we can pick up. We can fast if you want to do more for God and ask God to make clear for you exactly what it is that he would have you do for him. 
So that's another great way to use fasting. So I recently heard of a spiritual war story right here in our midst. Um, so my sister Alexis Liber, she was a part of a Bible talk. And what they did was they decided that once a week, we're going we're gonna to fast one day a week. And the purpose of their fast was we want to meet one person every month. And we want to see God work through us in that person's life. And we want to see that person be added to the Lord's kingdom. They even went as far as to planning the celebration that they would have once God worked. So they had the whole celebration, like, this is what we're going to do when God worked this month. This is how we're going to celebrate. And they went on with this purpose, and they fasted. And for multiple months, when they did this, God added to the kingdom through their, through their small group. So that's what fasting with a purpose can do for us when we fast with a purpose. And that's exactly what the disciples did. I mean, let's look at verse 3 again. So it says, so after they had fasted and prayed, the place, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. We see here that they fasted for a purpose. This Holy Spirit had just made clear, I want Barnabas and Saul to go on this missionary journey. Now since they had their mission, it was like, okay, we have direction from God, and this will not be easy. So they fasted to get their minds right and to focus on the work that the Lord had for them. And that's what they did. I mean, they fasted. Paul and Barnabas, they set out on their journey to go from city to city. They went from city to city, sharing the word. They planted churches. They made disciples um, all across Asia Manor, which is actually modern-day Turkey. Um, and they were very successful on this mission. I mean, you can read about this journey in Acts 13 and 14. This was an amazing journey. I mean, they preached the word boldly. They preached in the face of opposition. I mean, it got so rough, Paul was actually stoned. And it was so bad, they dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. Right? So this is how serious it was. But I tell you one thing, if God has a plan for you, if God has a mission, if God has called you to something, and he wants you to be successful with it, there's neither height nor death, nor angel nor demon, nor anything in all creation that will stop you from accomplishing the mission that God has set out for you. So you do not have to worry about that. And let me tell you, I know that, so let me ask you, has God made something clear to you that he's calling you to? Has he, think about it. Is there something in your life where you're like, man, I, I really think God is calling me to this? Maybe it's to join the music ministry and come and edify us all with your amazing voice, right? Or maybe it's to preach or to join a youth ministry or to lead a small group. Maybe it's to have your neighbor over for dinner. You know, that person who you've been seeing for the last five years, right, or five weeks, and you're like, man, I really need to have them over, you know, talk to them, introduce them to Jesus, and you've really been hesitating. Maybe God is saying, hey, have that person over for dinner. Or maybe God is saying, hey, I want you to go on a trip on the other side of the world to preach the gospel, right? Whatever it is, God will make it happen. Now, let me tell you, I know when God is calling you to do something, it can be scary, right? Trust me, I know firsthand, okay? Firsthand that it can be scary. But when God calls you to do something, he's going to make it happen. Let me tell you, every time James texts me to preach, 
So a few weeks will go by, and I'll tell my wife, I'm like, yo, James is going to text me soon, I'm telling you. So he texts me, I look at my text like, hey, bro, you want to preach, like, you know, two weeks from now? It typically takes me like a day to get back to him, because, you know, I got to get myself together. But, you know, I know that this is what God is calling me to right now. But let me tell you, I mean, those weeks are extremely stressful, um, you know, getting prepared. And, you know, Maldi actually helped me out with some stuff, you know, just telling me, like, hey, look, God is just using you, you know. Allow God to use you. This is what he's calling you to. Allow him to use you. But I tell you, there is nothing in this world more fulfilling than answering the call of God. Nothing in this world more fulfilling than answering the call of God. So if God is calling you to do something, just go for it, man. You know, just go for it, whatever it may be. So let's imitate the disciples, right, and go on a fast to get our minds right. That's what they did. They had this call from God, and when God calls us, let's go on this fast like the disciples did. So that's another great reason to fast. It's like, you know what, I have to get my mind right and focus on the call of God. So that's another great reason to fast. Um, so, you know, the God, God called the disciples, and, I mean, they set the world on fire in their day. I mean, they traveled throughout Asia Manor in just this one trip, and they set Asia Manor on fire for the Lord. And we need to imitate them, and we need to answer God's call, and we need to go out, and we need to set this world on fire for Jesus, man. Starting right here in Harlem, let's set this thing on fire for Jesus. So let's pick it up um, in Acts 14. Acts 14, 21. So after Paul and Barnabas went out on their trip, um, you know, they planned these churches, they made these disciples. On their way back from the trip, they stopped at the churches and they strengthened the churches. That was kind of Paul's practice. He planted churches. On his way home, he stopped and he strengthened the churches. So that was Paul's practice. So we pick it up here in Acts 14, um, 21 and 23. So the Bible says, They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconum, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. So again, we see an example here of prayer and fasting. This time it was in, conju- in conjunction with a serious task of selecting elders. So they're looking to select people to lead these churches. And what they did was they fasted about it. Right? So do you have any serious situations in your life right now or coming up and you need clarity from God about it? Go on a fast. Right? And ask God to give you clarity with that situation through your fast and your prayers. So next we'll talk about Jesus, right? We can't talk about fasting in the New Testament without talking about Jesus. So let's go to uh, Matthew 4. We're going to read 1 through 9. Matthew 4, 1 through 9. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. 
Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point in the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command the angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put your Lord God to the test. The devil is actually quoting scripture. Can you check that out, right? Crazy. Um, verse 7, Jesus answered him, it is, not it is also written, do not put your Lord God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels attended him. So when we set out on this journey about fasting, um, we were going to look to see if we should fast today. The number one reason why we should is because Jesus did it, right? That's the number one reason we should fast today. So here we see Jesus being led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil um, in the wilderness. So in this time, so Jesus, you know, he's about to be led in the, in the wilderness to be tempted. And he, Jesus said, let me go on a fast. Let me fast for 40 days, 40 nights, right? So let's keep in mind that Jesus was completely human, fully 100% human. And we see in this passage that Jesus used the word of God to fight off Satan. Every time Satan said something, Jesus came back with the word, right? So we need to have that practice as well. Just a side note, that's why we need our memory scriptures, fight off, fight off Satan's attacks. So Jesus came back, but now let's, let's dive a little into these temptations and see, maybe we can get a glimpse of how fasting actually helped Jesus. Um, see if we can maybe understand why he decided to do it just a little bit, right? We don't actually know, but maybe we can get a glimpse. But we can definitely learn some valuable lessons and some benefits of fasting from Jesus here. So the first temptation, verse 2 and 3, it says, After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, the Bible says that Jesus was hungry, right, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. I think that's an understatement. Can you imagine not eating anything for 40 days and for 40 nights? Right? And what's the first thing that that sneaky devil does, right? Tempt him with some food. Turn this rock to bread if you're hungry. Turn this rock to bread. So the first temptation is all about the lust of our flesh. We have a desire to give into our flesh. And when we fast, that's us saying no to our flesh. So what you hungry? A man does not live on bread and water alone. Spiritual food is much better than physical food. Any day, every day. When we fast, it helps us to focus on God. That's the purpose of fasting. It helps us to focus on God and not on our flesh. Our flesh cannot rule us when we are focusing on God. So that's one reason and one benefit of fasting is to focus on God and not be ruled by your flesh. So the next temptation we find is in verse 5 and 6. So the Bible says the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, 
For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot on a stone. So this next temptation is all about the pride of life, right? The devil is daring Jesus to show him who, who he is. You say you're the son of God, show it to me. Prove it, right? If Jesus was prideful, yeah, I'm the son of God, I'll show it to you. I'll prove it, right? So this one is all about the pride of life. You know how we get when we get challenged or something, right? It's like that, that, that pride starts welling up. It's like, you're talking to me? Like, you know who I am, right? That, that pride starts welling up. But when we fast, it actually purifies our hearts. Without food, it forces us to cling to God, and it shows us that we are nothing without God. We would not have even woke up this morning if God didn't breathe breath into our lungs this morning. We would not even have food to eat if God did not provide. I tell you, it's really difficult to be prideful once you realize that you are nothing without God, that you can't even sustain life without God. It's really difficult to be, fa- to be prideful. And that's what fasting does to us. It helps us to cling to God because, you know, we get hungry. It helps us to cling to God. And we understand, God, man, I need you so much. And you cannot be prideful in that moment when you understand how much you need God and how little you are when it comes to the magnitude of God. Now, the last temptation that he went through, um, verse 8 or 9, verse 8 and 9. So it says, again, the devil took him to the high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in his splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down to me. This temptation here is all about the lust for the world. We know how dangerous it can be when we lust for the world. Sometimes we forget that the spirit is in a constant battle with our flesh, trying to get us not to lust for this world. You know, I love the way this guy John Piper puts it, and this is what he writes. He says, the greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It is not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but the endless nibbling at the table of the world. It is not the X-rated video, but the prime time dribbling of triviality we drink every night. But we all know the ill that Satan can do. But when God describes what keeps us from the banquet table of love, it is a piece of land, a yoke of oxen, and a wife. So he's talking about Luke 14 here, 18 to 20. That's the parable of the great banquet, where Jesus invited, these people were invited to the banquet, and they made these excuses why they couldn't come to the banquet, why they couldn't come to heaven, and it was because someone just bought a piece of land, got a new oxen, and they just got married. So that's what he's talking about here. He goes on to say, the greatest adversary of love to God is not his enemies, but his gifts. And the most deadly appetites are not for the poison of evil, but for the simple pleasures of this earth. For when we replace our appetite for God himself, the idolatry is scarcely recognizable and almost incurable. So the problem is, God gives us all of these amazing things to enjoy, but the problem is when we start worshiping the created things and not the creator, that's when we have a hard time. That's when we get into trouble, when we start worshiping the created things. But when we fast, right, it detaches us from the world. When we deny our flesh, we can better 
be in line with the Holy Spirit. And we can have freedom from the pull of this world. And we can keep them appetites for God going strong. When we fast, we cannot give in to the temptations of the world. When we fast, it helps us to see that, you know what? God created these things, right? In Ecclesiastics, it talks about God actually is the one who helps us enjoy life in general. Without God, we can't even enjoy life, right? Ecclesiastes talk about God giving us all these wonderful things to enjoy. So we have to understand where they come from, and we need to praise the creator and not the creator things. So, you know, last week um, we had a fasting challenge. You know, Maudie talked about it. And let me tell you, it was definitely a challenge for me. I don't know if y'all noticed, and I know I didn't notice this before I fasted on Thursday last week, but it gets dark at like 8 o'clock at night now. So, you know, I'm fasting from sunup to sundown, and I'm like, you know, like it's, it's getting dark, you know, 8 o'clock. This is crazy. So I was really, really struggling. But, you know, once that headache started setting in and, and the dizziness, is when I really started to pray to God, right, and really started to cling to God. And that's what fasting is all about, you know. Once that hunger sets in, we get to that point where, you know what, I'm not going to be able to go any further without God, and it helps us to cling to God. So for this week, um, we are fasting for help. Um, so, you know, what, what part of your life do you need God's help in? Um, and if you're good and you don't need God's help, pray for me. Um, you know, I, I definitely can use God's help in as much prayer as possible. Uh, but now you don't have to pray for me, but pray for somebody, right? Pray for somebody who may need help. Um, you know, maybe you need help in your marriage. Uh, maybe you need help in your parenting and being single, um, your purity, your finances. I will definitely be praying for finances this week. Trust me, I need some help in that area. Um, you know, maybe you can pray for, for school. Whatever it may be, you know, pray about that situation this week. And, you know, let's just remember that when we decide to pray, um, about what we decided to pray about and we fast this week, um, remember that fasting is afflicting your soul, humbling yourself before God, and, you know, letting God know that you're serious about what you're asking him for. So just in closing, you know, I would like to share how powerful fasting and prayer is. So last week we fasted for health. Um, you know, great time fasting for health. And we know that, and, you know, I've, I've been clear that I can share this, and we know that Junior Hickman is in the hospital, um, and a lot of us fasted, you know, for his health and prayed for his health while we were fasting last week. So he was, he needs a lung transplant. He was, you know, they was putting him on the transplant list, um, and then, you know, they said, you know what, your condition with the lung is so bad that you can't go on the list. So it was like, we're not going to put you on the list um, the condition is too bad, you're not going to go on the list, right? So on Friday, and it's crazy, I, was, I, I went to visit him Friday, and when I was there, the doctors came in. His family was there, the doctors came in, and they was talking with him, and, you know, out of the blue, right, they was like, hey, you know what? Um, we talked amongst all the doctors, the whole team, and we decided that we're going to try to get you on this list, Right? We, we decided that, um, you know, out of the blue, right? Out of nowhere, they decided that, you know what? We are going to try to get you on this, this transplant list. And, you know, just to see the hope in the room, you know, just to see the, the hope in his family's eyes, 
you know, just to see the hope in his eyes. You know, we serve an incredible God, man. And, you know, God can do all things, man. So, you know, if, if we have some situations and we need God to answer, let's go to God in fear and prayer and fasting. And let's continue to pray for Junior um, in a situation. You know, he's not out of the woods yet. But we know that our amazing God, there is nothing in all creation that God cannot do. Nothing at all. I love you guys. To God be the glory.